Coming up, a Sad Styles production. Hello and welcome. My name is Mikey Aaronworth, signing on to the sign-off of Frameworth Podcast for yet another week. It's the forum for all the stories you didn't know you wished you knew about sports and sports marketing, and maybe a little bit more this week as we get into our guest who we'll introduce in just a moment. I am joined in studio once again in this new format, side-by-side with my co-host, Brian Aaronworth, president of Frameworth Sports Marketing, now looking me in the eyes. You're getting used to that, right? For, for a while, you were avoiding it, <laughs> instead uh, preferring to look at your own camera feed there, right? Yep. Uh, that's where I'm going to look from now on. I, I don't blame you. It's a handsome, it's a handsome feed. I'll be, I'll be looking slightly to the right of that at my own. Uh, but if you're not watching us over on YouTube and you're joining us over on uh, one of our podcast platforms, thank you so much for joining us there. And thank you for all the love and support we've been shown over the past weeks. So we're going to blow through the reviews because we're uh, uh, trying to get right into the good stuff here on this one. Uh, uh, our guest this week, we're speaking with a man who exemplifies the same spirit of hard work and familial sensibility, which we have come to love about the world of hockey, but it's applied to another industry entirely this week. His legacy began in Canada in 19. 1927, long before he was born, but stretched from literal coast to coast across the country, sprouting out from seeds sown with love and dedication. He's the CEO, chairman, and president of Andrew Peller Limited, and one of the visionaries behind Wayne Gretzky Estates. Ladies and gentlemen, John Peller. John, thanks for joining us. Great to be with both you and your dad, Mikey. Yeah. A, uh, a, a friend of the company uh, in, in a variety of forms. Obviously, uh, one thing that we'll get into in a little bit, we mentioned that name, Wayne Gretzky, off the top. Uh, uh, we had first met, I think, at the at the Wayne Gretzky Fantasy Camp, which is a topic of conversation that comes up quite often on this podcast and something that we always love to get into in a little bit. But before we do that, I do want to sort of set up uh, your history uh, with, with the company and the company as a whole is sort of a, a, a national institution at this point. Um, I, I mentioned 1927 when your legacy began. And that's when your grandfather, Andrew Peller, came in through Halifax from Hungary, uh, landing at Pier 21. Uh, didn't stay there very long, but it, had he imparted any wisdom in terms of what that transition into Canada was like at that point and, and why Canada in the first place? Yeah, well, in fact, I, I always tell people the most important day in my life happened long before I was born. I was born in 57 and, and I'm 65 today. Hey, hey, happy, happy birthday. birthday. But the uh, but, but remembering, you know, my grandfather on that day, you know, what I remember most about his his crossing was that he had he had three sons at the time, very very infant sons. He was only 24 years old. He had three sons like I have three sons today. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, through the the poverty and and diseases that were were going through Hungary and Europe at the time, he lost two of his children so that he was left only with one child. My dad, who was two years old and my grandma, you know, who was in her late teens at the time, kind of looked at him and said, you know, Andy, if, if you don't do something, we're never going to have a family. So that, you know, the, the motivation for him to, to make that journey on his own, you know, um, as a young man without money or without anything, but a hope for a better life, it was to build a great family. And, and, you know, my life has been rooted in that ambition to, to, you know, be very mindful of whatever I can do to have a great family. And that, by the way, was one of the reasons Wayne and I, you know, have uh, shared in, 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 in common. So, you know, he, and he ended up going to Winnipeg because he was on one of those farm labor exchange programs and made his way to Kitchener shortly. And, and he was a very entrepreneurial individual and got involved in a brewery and 
it didn't take him long before he started many businesses. And, and like entrepreneurs, he went through many successes and, and, and some colossal failures. Mm-hmm. And um, it was really at the end of his business career, he was 58 when he started the wine business. He unfortunately had lost all the money he had ever made shortly before he started our winery, which is really the, the legacy of his life was having worked so hard to, 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 to be so successful. He, he lost all his money in a, a newspaper that was started in Hamilton in 1955. So he kind of had to start all over again. And, and, you know, it was 1961. He had to borrow. My father had been a was a physician in Hamilton, and uh, he had to borrow money from my dad and five of his medical buddies, and and they put together some seed capital, and started the winery. And then um, you know, kind of the rest they say is history. Well, it's it's interesting you mentioned that you know that 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 focus on family and that story of of your dad needing to kind of change his direction in life, which I want to get to in a little bit as well. But but prior to that, just you know, I, I mentioned sowing the seeds, uh, which you know, trying to work on, on multiple levels there, but that, that seed of family seems to be inherent to the, the progress and the success that, that you've had at Andrew Pella Limited and, and kind of, I think the homage that you pay to your grandfather and, and your father as well, it, it seems to almost like, you know, they talk about how the, the soil quality can change the, the taste of a wine. It's as though the soil quality within your family has affected the, whatever has sprout out as a result of that. And it seems like there's something just rich and nourishing in there. Uh, I, I talk also about coast to coast. You know, you, you mentioned that that your grandfather Andrew, uh, who I know sometimes you refer to as Andy. So if if that comes mm. up and the listener hears that, uh, uh, just just to clarify, uh, eventually like landed in Halifax and eventually made his way. I think the first winery that he had started was in BC. Uh, I, what is that process like getting from one coast to the next? Were there detours along the way? I know, I know obviously, uh, started with the newspaper, but, but that eventual progress to the other side of Canada, was that intentional or was that just something that happened as a result of needing to move around? It's comical. It's comical <laughs> because what happened was he, when he started his brewery, you know, he had worked for EP Taylor for his brewing business in Toronto. And he started his own brewery in Hamilton and and it became very, very successful. And Mm -hmm. the key to his marketing was you weren't allowed to do any type of beverage alcohol advertising in the fifties. It was illegal. Right. And my grandpa, he figured out, you know what I could do? He, he started an ice cube company that had the same name as his beer. So his beer was Peller's beer (laughs) and he started selling Peller's ice and Gordon Sinclair would get on the news broadcast on the radio and, and invite everybody. Don't forget when you're going to the party this weekend to take the Pellers and then he'd delay, delay, delay. And then he'd say ice. Oh, yeah. wow. I love so, that. So it became a big joke and, and, and people loved it. And, and the only problem was when, 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 when his paper failed and he wanted to get a wine license in Ontario. The, the premier at the time was Leslie Frost and, and his wife was a prohibitionist and they had a long memory for how he kind of played with the rules. So they right. weren't going to bend over and help him. So he ended up just hopping on a plane and, and heading out to British Columbia. And, and within a matter of weeks, the government there gave him a license and off he went. That's amazing. And I think that was Port Moody. Is that correct? That's correct. Opened under Andres Wines. Now we've talked about Andrew and we've talked about Andy. We've also talked about marketing. Uh, the the uh, 
decision to call it Andres Wines, like A-N-D-R, E with an accent, yeah. S Wines. Was was there an intention there to lend some sort of uh, like a, a cultural injection from somewhere else? Or was that just the name? Am I reading too much into that? No, I think you got it. His actual, in, in Hungary, his baptismal name was Andreas. Okay. And so he thought, you know, that it had a bit more of a European flair. The real motivation was at the time, all the uh, retail stores, you know, listed everything in alphabetical order. So he wanted an A name to be at the top of the Amazing. I love that. He went with his name, Andres, and and kind of Frenchified it to Andres. And it was a great day for me in, in the mid 90s when, you know, we were investing heavily in the premium wine industry and we wanted to you know go from an old corporate name andres that was associated with our sparkling past to to a more premium you know state wine positioning and 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 returning the company to what he probably should have called it which was <laughs> andrew peller limited was was it was a great day for me I, I love that story as well. Uh, and, you know, we've brought up marketing quite often. And, and this is sort of to, to keep the tie to to the theme of the podcast, which is that sports marketing, uh, you know, which we do all the time. Marketing can be applied to a ton of different industries. So to hear these sorts of stories, I'm sure my dad is kind of chomping at the bit. Yeah. I mean, this is all, it's no, all similar to what you had to do to grow your business. Too. You know what? I, I love these stories because uh, we talk about entrepreneurialism and and you don't build these kind of business without unique ideas and and people that are successful entrepreneurs just see things see opportunities there just the way you you market your product just the opportunities that exist for those things that other people don't see and that's what sets one company as uh, ahead of the other yeah for sure absolutely and I, I I like the story too that you know you talk about uh, your grandfather Andrew and how uh, how how significant his impact was in that entrepreneurial landscape Joe your father was sort of uh, not cut from a different cloth, the same cloth, but took a different path, very much an academic. He was the chief medicine uh, uh, for, for Hamilton Civic Hospitals and left, as you mentioned at the time, to, to help his father, your grandfather, with the winery. Do you find that you have struggled to kind of find some balance between the two, between your grandfather, who was almost pure entrepreneurial, I mean, had an engineering background, but more entrepreneurial, and your father, who was more of an academic? You know, I mean, I've thought about that, and, and, you know, in the end, you are who you are. Right. And, and, and being successful means trying to understand your kind of strengths and weeks and, and, and natural. My, my grandpa and my dad couldn't have been more different. Hmm. They were one and nine. Like my grandpa was a barrage, tough, knock him down, get her done. You yeah. know, we always told people, it, if you want to stop him, you better take more than a four by four to his forehead because anything <laughs> less than that will not stop him. And, and my dad was exactly the opposite. He was a very quiet, reflective, humble, you know, and, and he, uh, you know, it, when you talk about family, I, I know my dad never intended to get into business and he loved being in medicine. Right. And, and, and he, he went to help my dad to my help. My grandfather was his sole motivation because he knew it meant a lot to him. And once, once Joe got involved, he enjoyed it. It was a very different world than the, the medical world he he grew up in but i, I like to think that <clears throat> I, I i'd like to think i'm a, a nice blend of the of, of the two of them and and um you know i've always told people i i think entrepreneurs are are really born not raised and mm-hmm. and and i say that not because we don't we can do lots of things to improve our our, our entrepreneurial iq and capability 
but but over a lifetime, you, you realize that the real true entrepreneurs are born with this obsession to get something done. They're totally adverse to risk, right. and they have a sense of drive and commitment to what they do that just is is beyond the scope of of normal of normal people. And and eventually, they get challenged by their own strengths. Right? They they don't tend to be great organizational people and 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 and, and the like, but. You know, it's, it's, you know, we, we talk about this, this cultivation of soil and it seems like you need a similar ecosystem in, in, uh, in, in growing grapes to create the wine, right? It can't just be all one thing. You have to find that balance. And it seems like your family has, has found that in almost a microcaustic way, uh, uh, growing the company, you grow the vines. Hey, John, is that why we find it hard to retire? Everybody keeps <laughs> telling me you got to retire, I, you, you know, enjoy what you're doing. I said, I enjoy what I do. I mean, Hey, I don't want to work as hard as I used to, but. I I just can't see myself retiring because every day I come up with ideas that are challenging and I think that's a good, I got to try, not just in my industry. I come up with ideas for other people's and I just don't have the time to put them all together anymore. But I think that's why I don't, what's your thoughts on retirement? I I, I tell the story about when my father decided to retire and, and, the interesting point here is that my grandfather would never have retired. He had never let go of the rope, the control. I mean, he was, this was part of his life. Whereas my dad, you know, he got to 65 or 66 and I was only in 34, 35 at the time. And he came to me on a Friday afternoon and and, and said, you know what, son, um, on Monday, I'm going to make you president and I'm going to retire. And uh, he said, I want you to know one thing. There can really only be one accountable leader in a company. And from now on, that will be you. And whatever you say will go. However, I'm definitely going to tell you what I think, whether you want to hear it or not. Hmm. He says, but I think you're going to do a great job, son. Come over here. Gives me a nice hug and a kiss and walks out the door in in, in three minutes. My My grandfather would never have done that. Wow. And, and, it was a more of a struggle with my dad, but, uh, <laughs> but eventually, eventually we, uh, we saw, we, it flip-flopped. It was always me trying to get recognition and him not wanting to let the recognition go. And then all of a sudden at some point in our lives, it flip-flopped and he would, couldn't say enough good things about me and I couldn't say enough good things about him. Right. You. So, well, I think the key to, to organizations growing is to, you know, develop a, a culture of learning. And it takes a great deal of humility, you know, in, in sure. terms of a culture to keep an open mind, open heart. And that's what my dad was good at. So that it was the combined strengths of the two of them that eventually, you know, gave us a, a platform for growth. It's that old saying, the older I get, the smarter my father got. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I'm, I'm curious. Uh, uh, I, I should know this. I feel, I, I believe, uh, Andrew passed away in 94 and the company was renamed Andrew Peller limited. Mm-hmm. Was it 95? So was that afterwards? Um, geez, you're testing my memory, Mikey. I think, it was, <laughs> yeah, I, I actually think we changed the name in the kind of 1996, 97 era, right? Okay. There. So he oh. wouldn't, he wouldn't have been around for, no. for that change. Okay. Sadly, um, no. Okay. Well, you know what we 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 keep talking around this idea of of family, and there's another family that's pretty pretty popular in the realm of our podcast and in the realm of sports as well. So I'd like to to sort of talk about you know uh, we mentioned it at the top your involvement with Wayne Gretzky Estates, uh, uh, your relationship as well with Wayne Gretzky seems to have have flourished. It seems like you guys have built a brand and a and a, sort of a an institution in Canada. That whole process, I believe I believe Wayne Gretzky first started off with with Creekside. And then you you had 
taken over uh, the brand uh, when Creekside was looking to sell off some of their properties. Um, what was your involvement there? Was there any hesitation in getting in- involved with a name like like Wayne Gretzky or any celebrity name? You know, understanding. I mean, I had a I, before I got into the joined the winery in 1989. I spent five years in in um, New Jersey working for Nabisco Brands, and I was in brand marketing and. You know, there was a promotion we did for our Wheaties cereal that had us put Jane Fonda because she was revolutionizing morning workouts, you know, with her right. videos and the like. So it, it seemed like a very, very positive. In fact, our sales promotion selling was set a record in, in U.S. grocery because of how popular this promotion was. You could get a free video or whatever it was. Oh, wow. And so it seemed like a great idea. And literally within two weeks of the launch, there were the most incredible protests from U.S. military veterans who who remembered Jane Fonda as Hanoi Jane, you know, uh, an anti-war yeah. protester. Oh, wow. And, and the shit hit the fan, to say the least. We had to pull all the product out of the system. And, you know, at the time, I think we wrote off eight or $10 million, which was like a colossal write-off in 1986 or whenever it was. And I remember when I was watching um, one of the older senior marketing managers came up and poked me in the chest. He said, you remember this kid. Don't you ever get involved in any celebrity brands. (laughs) (laughs) Always what happened. So, it was, I, I, we had been approached many times by people and, and to do brands and celebrity brands so that, you know, when this opportunity came up, I was reflecting on it. And, and you know, at the same time, I, I was born in Ancaster and, and, and spent my whole life playing hockey. And, 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 you know, obviously Wayne was right next door, although obviously I didn't know him. We, we crossed paths as peewees in a tiger town tournament. And it was at the double rinks in Ancaster. And I remember on the, we played on one pad where there were like a hundred people. And then of course Wayne was playing in the other one. And I'd never seen that many people in, <laughs> in my life. And, you know, that everyone told me, we all came out of our dressing room, then what the hell is going on? They said, well, he's here. What do you mean he's here? Who's he? Oh, he's the greatest guy. We think he's the greatest hockey player ever type thing. So we, I went and watched Wayne play that um, that afternoon. And, of course, he was playing two years under his age group in Wee. And, um, but, you know, I, I remember when he came and talked to us about it and, and we met with Glenn and, and Darren Cleary, we were considering, you know, the commitment it would take. And and to be truthful, you know, these types of decisions, when I make them, are is this something you want to do for 20 years? As right, opposed right. to, you know, this isn't just an advertising promotional thing. Mm-hmm. This is a long-term commitment to invest in a significant business. So Diane and I, we had to get down and either make a decision to go or not. We went to a Leaf game, I think it was on a Thursday night, and we had to decide the next day. And, and we're watching the game from, from our seats, and, and, and all of a sudden, the, on the Jumbotron, they came out celebrating birthdays at the game. And they went through about eight or nine, and the last birthday they put up was Walter Gretzky. Oh, okay. And I try to remember his birthday. I think it was his 74th or 5th, well, whatever it was. 
And all of a sudden the camera at the gardens or the uh, ACC went into, you know, where Walter's seats were and the gold's in the corner there. And I have never seen a, st a standing ovation for anybody in my life. Like I witnessed that evening. That's amazing. They came back from commercial because, you know, they did it between um, advertising commercial break. Both teams had come over into the corner, right? The referees were over in the corner. Everyone is expecting the game to be starting right after the commercial break stop. And there's Walter standing up and the place would not stop. <laughs> it went on for like what seemed at least to be like eight, nine, 10 minutes. And, and they, the, and there he sat waving humbly at everybody. And I thought, holy shit, this, I mean, it, it, it it struck me that that the popularity of of Gretzky's, not just Wayne, but his father, right. it, it transcended sports. Mm -hmm. It was really, you know, people identified with them as, you know, something iconically Canadian quality right. that were things that we hold dear, humility and and love for their for their country and for their game and for family. So once I saw that, I thought that hell with that. I'm in, let's go. Cause, cause th that's magic. And, and in fact, I think that's largely what's made the brand so successful is that people are proud to, to associate with Wayne and his, and his family and, and their values. And it seems, it seems, you know, you mentioned, you mentioned their values and that, and that can mean a variety of things. And I think it means a variety of things to a variety of people. But one of those at their core, apart from just, you know, family for the sake of family is that sense of Canadiana, mm -hmm. uh, that it, that's super important to, uh, uh, what your brand is as well, you know, in, in, in Wayne Gretzky's case and, and his family's case, it's celebrating that identity and embracing that identity. And I'd imagine something similar almost to, to your grandpa when he, when he first came, it, it seemed like it was. It was about this celebration of, of Canadian identity. Um, do you find that in in partnering with someone like Wayne, it sort of bolsters that? I mean, I'd imagine comparing this sort of side-by-side, -side, hockey being the one exception, on a grand scale, Canada, when it comes to sports, kind of views ourselves as almost needing to prove ourselves a little bit more, you know, when it comes to basketball and football and soccer, we're, we're the underdog, but we're making our way in the game in terms of wineries on a global scale. Does, does Canada also have that sort of, of complex? And do you, do you find a comparison there of really trying to show to the world, like guys, we are, we are more than maybe you would have given us credit for. And now with this bolstering of our brands coming together, we're really going to show that to people. Is that, is that part of your, your principle? I think, I think, you know, there's certainly this desire for us in the wine industry. It's, you know, where we are in this, in our point in time of, you know, taking a, a great story of best in class quality to the world. Mm -hmm. and, and, and certainly that's the, the core of our company's investment. And, and, but in the case of, in the case of Wayne, you know, most of our wineries are big stories about, um, you know, Appalachians and and climate and terroir and, and you know great details about wine and wine quality. It, it was and people were interested. Like, what what does Wayne you know want to really get in the wine business? Why would he get involved with this type of a business venture? It you know it really was you know his humility that drew me to him and that it was okay to have a wine 
brand and in our case a whiskey brand right and 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 craft beer brand that was just really about someone's commitment to their values and their purpose in life and and you know i always loved that people whenever wayne was with us and we were going to go to do a wine tasting you know people were were they going to ask him a question he couldn't understand about wine or whatever in fact Wayne always said hey listen he says john he says i've played hockey with john peller he goes and i'm i'm glad to tell you that he could never teach me or tell me anything about hockey but <laughs> i don't know a, a, a lot about wine and i'm just learning about it so you know wayne's approach to the whole thing was his genuine humility and 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 in fact you know through your dad and, and playing hockey down at the fantasy camp you know we we started spending lots of time with walter and of course he completely melts you with his incredible sense of spirit and care for other people and, and, and his spirit and even Glenn's and the families was as big a part of what we were doing. So that my point in, in all of this is our, our, our brand was really grand, grounded in the purpose of their family and wanting right. to do something for the long term. I must tell you a quick story. When, sure. when we launched the Gretzky Estates down in Niagara Lake, we had a big party. I know your dad was there and and um, so were you, I believe. And, and when Wayne arrived with his family and, and we went up just to say some introductory words, he was kind of looking around and he, and I saw in his eyes, like, holy shit, what are we doing here? Like, look at all the <laughs> capital that's been, you know, invested. In, and, and, and I could tell just by looking at him without him saying a word, he had one of these thoughts that struck him. My God, this is going to, when I said to Wayne, this is going to be here a long time after you and I are gone. Right. Right. In other words, this, this wasn't just a promotion or an advertisement. It was, it was a commitment to do something generationally. Right. And, 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 and it was grounded in, in, you know, his and my kind of mutual love for, for our families and our, and our country and, and, and learning and growing and doing something different. And what we did there, we, we, we built, you know, a solid, BQA winery platform in both Niagara, rooted in Niagara viticulture. We also did a similar program in in in, in the Okanagan with mm-hmm. our wines out there. But we we just wanted soon to do a Canadian whiskey and 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 a craft beer. And you know these weren't things that other wineries were doing. Right. It reflected us building on a you know a different brand uh, platform. One of which, as you know, is that we. We, we built a beautiful little uh, hockey rink in, in, in the middle right. of our vineyard, which, which has Who, whose idea a, was it to bury the loony at the center of the ice rink? Is that yours <laughs> or Wayne's? That was definitely neither of ours, but whoever <laughs> did, I thought, geez, that's a great idea. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. But, but you know, the, the nothing captures the story of Wayne and his family better than, than the story of Walter building the rink in their family's backyard. And right. all of us who know the Gretzkys, we've gone to their house in, in, in Brantford and, and listen how Walter would proudly tell all these stories, but he, he loved that little rink. Mm-hmm. And so we thought, geez, let's, why don't we put a rink in there? And, and, you know, the Gretzky ki- kids called it the, the Wally Coliseum. The Wally Coliseum. That was their name for their backyard rink. And, and, I can't tell you how popular that rink is and, and how amazing it is to see, you know, grandparents coming with their, their children who've had children and they're taking them out to skate and, and the, you know, the social vibe 
at, at, at Gretzky's. Has well, you know what, John? It's so much more than that. Mm-hmm. I was blown away the first time. I was honored that Wayne, Wayne asked, uh, asked me to go to the opening, along with most of the people from the fantasy camp who became right. friends uh, over the years. So we all bust down there uh, from, from the Ritz downtown, and I was blown away. It's a destination spot. The rink is one component, which is a major component. Sure. But it's such a beautiful environment, and I've been there a number of times since. In fact, the kids took took me down for my birthday, right. and we, <laughs> we did a tour of a number of wineries down there, but that was our final spot, and we just sat there and just kind of soaked it all in. That was that was my brother's gift to him, and he rubs it in my face all the time. I guess I, I, guess I should have got him something better than a belt that Step year. Step up I? next time, Mikey. <laughs> anyway, so I would just say that it's i think that set the standard you know there's a lot of wineries down there and all nice wineries to go do some wine tasting and if you do that tour but stop definitely the ultimate one is the wayne gretzky winery because it's so much more there's well, the, just so much the, more to the it. the fascinating thing about that i think is you know a lot of people have the opposite mentality uh compared to you where when they want to get involved with an athlete of some sort they're essentially using the athlete's name to sell a brand of wine that is maybe lesser, but specifically Wayne had a quote on his website, which I think is echoed by what you're saying here. He said, it says his goal was simple to create a collection of wines that people might buy once because of the name of its label, but would choose to enjoy again and again, once they discovered the quality of the wine itself. And that is the difference between a marketing campaign and something that's meant to last 20 years. But going into that, I'm so curious to 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 get your perspective on those initial conversations you would would have had with Wayne. You know, you talk about what he would say in public and say, you know, there's nothing that John can teach me on the ice rink. But you know there's a lot that you can teach him in the realm of 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 wineries and that understanding that you're going to be partnering with the great one and be his great one for for a little bit. Was there any sense of intimidation there when, you know, maybe he said something wrong potentially and you're and you're questioning whether or not you can call him out on that? What what did that process feel like from beginning to end? I mean, truthfully, you know, Wayne's an incredibly humble person. That's mm-hmm. the bottom line. He and, and and our business and his brand and our brand there, you know, has nothing to do with pretension. And I think that's why a lot of people like it. Right. And people are always people are always surprised. You know, we get more old ladies. And I mean, it's these aren't just hockey players that come and visit us. Like right. his reach into the community is mind boggling. And, and it's really those values that motivate people. So, I mean, he, he, he's. He loves to engage with people and, and whether it's with our winemakers or our staff or, or whenever we visited people, he's anxious to get to know people and, and what they're about and, and how he can help. And he meets with our customers and he's never worried of beans about anything because as long as you're genuine and truthful and, and you know, that's what matters the most. So it, there were was never been any friction, and 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 in fact, we've we've got a great friendship, and we're proud of everything that, you know, that we've built, and we, and we think it has a great great future. What is what is the collaborative effort between the two of you? Primarily in the beginning, you know, building Wayne Gretzky's estates. We we spoke with Glenn, Glenn being his brother, uh, and and Lori Holomus at the time, who would have been involved as well, about the creation of. Uh, the estates there and how much they wanted to imbue those estates with the feeling of their of their home growing up. You know, they wanted to let people into their home. Now, obviously, that's very much a Gretzky thing. However, in order to bring that into fruition, to make it real, someone like you has to get involved. So what did that collaboration look like? What was your involvement in pitching ideas? Or was it more hearing them out and saying, okay, I know how to make this a real thing. Leave it to me and, and we'll open it from there. Well, I mean, 
you know, for one thing, it was collaborative. Mm-hmm. And, and the one thing I wanted to make sure that Wayne always knew is that we will never say anything, you know, or make representations about his family or his life that he doesn't bless or tell right. us that he wants us to say. Right. Because a lot of this is personal. And, and you know, we're putting in pictures of his family and friends. And and we have, a, as you know, we've got that beautiful little uh, mural of the of the, the family farm in, mm-hmm. in that was in Paris, Ontario, and whatever. So, I mean, we 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 definitely wanted to tell. Just uh, we wanted to make it personal, so that it wasn't just like hockey sticks and pucks and stuff. And 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 it was more about them as people. And and great pictures of Walter, as you know, and 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 their extended family, so that it that people could connect with him more personally, more than anything. So I think that the key was to make sure that there was a trust and, and that, that they, it's their family, their name, their right to control how that story gets told. Right. But they're, like I said, they're, they're so easy to work with and, and it was just nothing but fun. And we, we designed the facility, you know, to look like a barn because right. growing up we played <laughs> Every arena we played in, we called the barn. The barn. And, and, and then, of course, it had a pond out back, right? So they were they were involved in in, in helping us with everything like that. And it's you know, been, it's been John, you you talk about uh, building relationships, and of course, with people like Wayne, obviously, we both had a, a longstanding friendship and relationship, and Sidney Crosby and the other people that we deal with. And you say that you, you've got to make sure that you, you don't do anything without their permission or that, you mm-hmm. know, you follow. But a big part of that uh, has to be the being intuitive and, mm-hmm. and understanding your client because you don't go to them every time you mm-hmm. have an idea and say, can I do this or not? You know what Wayne's about after mm-hmm. initial dealings with him and you know what's acceptable and what isn't. And sometimes he surprises me, like I'll ask him something and he'll go, yeah, we can do that. And I go, really? I Okay, so I was off on that one. But for the most part, you have to understand your client because they're not always there to say yes or no, and you can't wait for it all the time. So you can't make moves without really knowing them. And that's what I think keep the relationship strong. Well, when in particular, you know, if we've been out with Wayne and he goes to an event, it, it, it's people will get in his face very quickly and you know, want autographs and pictures and the like. And, and what we learned early on and quickly was, you know, Wayne likes to be at smaller events of 20 to 30 people mm-hmm. at the most. Right. You know, 20 is a great number because he actually wants to talk with people and enjoy himself and get to know them and ask them. Quite, I mean, it's, yep. it's really a genuine thing on his part, as opposed to as soon as you get into a big room, forget it. All bets are off. And right. he can't even have a single discussion with anybody without someone else sticking a cell phone in his face, you know, and I know those people are, are awfully well-intended, but it, it turns then event into a very, you know, unenjoyable, anxious moment for him. So we, we always make sure we have 20 people and it gets to meet everybody. And, 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 you know, everyone has a great time. And of course they're all blown away by how much fun it is to be around him. I mean, as you know, Brian, he is a very, very entertaining and funny person. And, he loves to talk hockey and, and tell stories and, and, and you give him the chance to have the types of conversations he wants to have with you. You know, he'll, he'll blow you away. Yeah. 
it seems it seems like that's the case. You know, similar to to your your winery in your states as well. It's more about quality over quantity. It's a cliche, but it is. It's let's have a, a smaller grouping of people, make it more intimate, and allow to touch them in, in in more significant ways, as opposed to just let's let a thousand people into the room and and they've all can say that's they've shared the, the same breath as him exactly. And and one of those such cases as we mentioned at the top of the episode is the Wayne Gretzky Fantasy Camp. You know, a great addition to getting uh, into a partnership with Wayne is that you get invites to the Wayne Gretzky. <laughs> fantasy camp tell me that wasn't the tipping point in terms of john kept dominating all the championships Uh, with his son yeah i had i had so much fun there way more than i expected and 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 again the hockey's was amazing yeah how how much fun it was and and you know everybody most 90 percent of the people there had played competitive hockey Mm -hmm. so playing non-contact hockey at a you know competitive fun level without worried about getting you know, run over or, or whatever. It was, it was really amazing. And, you know, I, I have one kind of great story I tell people cause I, you know, Wayne plays on all the different teams once. So right. where everybody right. else is on a team, he rotates around and it was, it was the, one of the first times I had been there and there was about a minute left in the, in the game. And I was ready just to go over the boards by myself on a, on a regular shift change. And Wayne reaches over, he goes, giant, wait, wait, wait one sec. I'll, I'll skate the last shift with you. I thought, holy shit. <laughs> and Gretzky just wants to skate the last shift with me. So we both went over 45 seconds left. And as fate would have it, I, I got the puck in the middle of the ice. I mean, I heard him call for a pass and, you know, he was going down the left wing crosses the blue line and he goes and skates behind the net. And I mean, I was just uh, looking around the front of the and all of a sudden I feel this whack, this puck hits me right on the tape. And I didn't even see it coming. <laughs> so there, there were only several seconds left and I didn't have time to move. I just shot quickly. And, and, and then I heard this horrible clank off the glass. And then I heard everybody kind of ooing and aahing. And what I didn't realize was Wayne was behind the net and I had shot hard and I'd missed his ear by inches <laughs> and, and, you know, I felt like, Oh my, someone says, you asshole, you almost killed Wayne Gretzky. I said, fuck, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't mean to do it. <laughs> so, you know, later that night we had our, you know, cocktail reception at, at Hyde and, and Hyde being one of the bars in the, uh, in the, in the, in the, hotel, the yeah. uh, Bellagio there. And I walked in holding hands with my wife, Diane, and all of a sudden, I see Wayne across the room, lock eyes with me, starts coming over. I mean, I thought, oh, geez, here oh, we no. go. So he, he came over and he said to me, hey, John, hold on just for a second. I was just talking about you. <laughs> and, I, and I said quickly, Wayne, I am so sorry. He goes, John, stop. He says, you know, I played hockey for a long time, and I had many, many wingers, maybe 18 as many. And I gave every one of those wingers that pass from behind the net. He says, the only person who ever took that pass and buried it was Yari Curry. He says, every other asshole shot it over the net. So he goes, as soon as I gave you that pass, I was already starting to duck. Oh, my God. (laughs) That's amazing. Yeah. (laughs) There's so many of those great stories from that. But more more to that point, I mean, hockey was only 50% of it. And then the rest of it was the camaraderie that we all built. I mean, yeah. I met you and Diane there, and uh, we we and Walter was always around. You talk about a guy that was loved. Yeah, I mean, he was there all the time. 
uh, Glennie and the whole family. Yeah, it was it was exceptional. Yeah, there were some uh, some great experiences there. Obviously, uh, at those events, uh, I'd say there's quite a bit of drinking, which suits uh, your purpose as well for for everyone there. Uh, one of the things that they would drink, not just the wine, but is the whiskey. You know, something that you got involved with with Wayne. Who whose idea was that to branch into to whiskey? And was that something you had ever gotten into prior to to meeting Wayne? You know, it's funny if we had ever, you know, you could have argued that if we had. A, started from scratch maybe we would have gone into craft beer right away but right it was it was rooted in in, in a viticulture program first and um you know i had been shopping around for to get in the craft whiskey business and and i went down to kentucky and and and, and met these guys who were in the heart of the bourbon craft whiskey renaissance that was going on and you know, talk to them and they came up, we were going to do, you know, some kind of like 1812 General Brock whiskey or whatever. And, and, and they came up and, and had dinner with us at Peller States. And they you know, asked you, how many guys, how many people visit this place a year? I said, oh, a couple hundred thousand. And they said, what? Yeah. And, and you know what they said, hell, I would do that whiskey here. And then we thought about it and, and <clears throat> the idea of a Canadian whiskey pairing up with the Canadian icon just made great sense to us. Right. And, and, you know, we were doing something different, breaking the mold from just making wine to making wine and whiskey. So that's kind of what we went through. And, and, um, you know, we put a lot of effort to, to do something innovative in terms of, you know, we, we age, uh, a portion of our whiskey in, in, in red wine oak barrels mm. to to provide some, you know, flavor notes that are, are unique and compelling. And and so our, our red cask blend was our, our first launch and it's done incredibly well for us. So is the beer. I, I remember when the beer first came out, yeah. I, I was looking all over for it. I, I was going to phone you or Wayne and say, hey, I'd like to try this stuff. I finally found it a little store up in I don't know, point a barrel on the way up to the cottage. <laughs> it took weeks to find yeah. it. It was sold out right away. Well, that's, I mean, it seems like that's kind of part of it, right? We, we sort of mentioned this prior to starting our, our recording where, uh, you know, you may not have realized going into it uh, this way, John, but uh, with Wayne's name on the label of anything, us being in the, the marketing memorabilia world, we, we were familiar with this. There are people who purchase these bottles for the purpose of having them with the iconography as opposed mm. to drinking them. Now, little do they know they have something delicious on their hands, but their intention is not to open it and drink mm. it. It's just to have it. I mean, that that adds so much more spectacle to to the realm of what you're doing. But, you know, it, it seems like you come from a, a long line of, of marketers and you're and you're carrying the torch. So, you know, whatever way it's putting putting those things in people's pockets, that's great. Now, everything you've explained so far started with the this this uh, this story that you told about uh, about uh a celebrity interaction that went very very wrong and that you may never have wanted to get back involved in it hmm. looking backwards you know having selected the right athlete to work with the right celebrity to work with having been able to build the brand and and sort of work with them you know a little bit of push and pull here and there has that changed your mind on potentially working with more or now that you're working with the best in the business is there any reason to to look elsewhere you know it's interesting when you when you look at icons and 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 celebrities and their marketing endorsements, one of the reasons not to do them more often than is they don't work. And and right. in other words, because you you take Napa Valley down there, 
there have been and still are, whether it was Jack Nicholas and Arnie Palmer and Mario Andretti and the sm- Joe Montana, keep going. Yep. There's like 50 of them. None of them have ever done well. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and just because, you know, you named the wine after Bobby Orr or Gordy Howe, I mean, there, there has to be something more compelling about right. the connection of the person and, and you know, the brand to, to your story. I mean, the one of the ones we worked with is um, Jillian Harris, who's a uh, you know, uh, out in, in British Columbia, she's a woman who has her own kind of blog on on all things in wine country, mm-hmm. food and flowers and whatever. And sure. and she's become an incredible spokesperson because this is her passion and 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 the like. So I, I wouldn't ever say never do it, but but there has to be something profound in 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 bringing that name to your product or service as opposed to. Just the name, you know, yeah. just the fact that you're leaning on their name to hype your, your goods. Cause in fact, people are, 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 are cynical about that. Yeah. They're skeptical. And I think you hit the nail on the head when you, when you were talking about why you selected Wayne and why you felt it would work with Wayne and, and Wally. And, uh, you know, in a similar story, uh, I remember calling uh, Tim Hortons up and telling him about uh Sidney Crosby when he was first coming up and I knew Sidney's character of course mm-hmm. he hadn't established himself at that point but Tim Hortons had a definite policy of we don't want celebrities mm-hmm. representing our product line but there was a fit there and Sidney passed mm-hmm. up a number of different you know fast food things that to, to endorse he didn't want to do any of that I must but say the- one thing too Brian if I could is that you know one of the things is often when you're you know, when you're dealing with, with celebrities is you're dealing with their agents and their, right, you know, right. and this and that. And we, I want to know part of that. In fact, we've worked with Glenn from the very beginning and it's been an incredible relationship and he enjoys working with us and we enjoy working with him. And there's a total commitment and mm-hmm. trust to, to the relationship so that a lot of things have to be right for it to work well. Right. And, and fortunately, you know, working with, with, with Glenn has been, been a real great part of the, of the partnership. Well, he's committed as much as Wayne is. And so, and that's big, but it's the overall picture. You're going to have guys, the celebrities that you got to be skeptical because they're going to get you in trouble. Right. And that's why a lot of companies don't just like Jane Fonda. They don't want all of a sudden their brand to go down the toilet because somebody gets caught with a hooker in a, in a hotel room and you know, the characters that you're working with and you know, it's going to be fine. Yeah. Yeah. Very specific uh, offering. Hopefully that doesn't happen to any of us. We don't want the sign off going downhill because of any of my weird exploits or my dad's weird weird exploits. But uh, John, I know you got, uh, you're a busy man. We appreciate you taking the time to come join us. Uh, uh, Anything you want to send people towards, maybe give a little plug for the estate. Uh, What's going on in your world there? Oh, I'm happy if, People come down and visit us. I'd any highly of wine, recommend any it. of the wineries for that matter in wine country or uh, equally. I hope you guys get out to the uh, to the Okanagan. There's incredible things happening out in in British Columbia as well. But um, all is good, and the future is bright. Thanks, uh, thanks so much for having me. Perfect. Well, once again, for John Peller, for Brian Aaronworth, president of Frameworth Sports Marketing, myself, Mikey Aaronworth, host of the Sign Off Podcast. This is us signing off. 
Well, ladies and gentlemen, we made it to the end of yet another episode. Thanks again so much for joining us. You can find videos of all of our episodes on YouTube by searching the Sign Off Podcast. You can also follow us on Twitter at Frameworth Sport or Instagram at Frameworth Sports. And hey, if you're not sick of me yet, you can find me on Twitter over at, at Retrograde Mikey, or you can always find me embarrassing myself over on Instagram at Aaronworth. The Sign Off is a proud product of Fadu Productions and Sad Styles Productions, executive producers Mikey Aaronworth and Andrew Bascom. Until next week, this is Mikey Aaronworth, signing off. Furnished by Sad Styles Productions. Get into it!